Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Sal Vetri Show. The DFS clip you're about to hear originally aired on my YouTube channel. And before we get into it, you can leave a five-star review. If you can subscribe, download to the podcast, like and share, whatever you have to do, I greatly appreciate that. Helps the podcast out a lot. Helps us reach more people. What I would hope is this beneficial content. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel. It is 4.43 p.m. East Coast time, Tuesday, October 15th. And we're going to take an initial picks video, I guess we can say, just for the SEO value of this podcast and YouTube episode, YouTube video. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're just going to take a little bit more of an in-depth, right? The first look's just something fun, my initial actual reaction to what's happening on the DraftKings salaries, first time I ever look at it. Now we take sort of an in-depth look when we break into matchups a little bit, some uh, preliminary research, things like that. And then we know that on Friday and later in the week, I do a final looks video. And then on Sunday morning, I have a final thoughts, closing thoughts on the entire Slate podcast that is Patreon exclusive only. Um, so yeah. That's the schedule, sort of, uh, there'll be other content mixed in there as well. I'll be appearing on other channels. You can check my Twitter bio uh, in terms of the header of my Twitter page for my schedule for this week. But anyways, this is the initial picks video for the week. It is on a Tuesday, so we're doing some preliminary research. Like I said, welcome to the channel. If you're new here, my name is Sal Vetri. I do cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, NBA, WNBA, in the MLB streets. Right now, the NBA is starting up a week from tomorrow. Actually, a week from today, a week from tomorrow, I'll be on the Osmo channel breaking it down with Josh Engelman, the 11-game, I believe it's 11-game Wednesday slate. But any of that, the NFL is here. Hit the subscribe button. We're about to reach 12,500 subscribers probably by the time this video launches. So thank you all so much. Maybe we can hit 13K by the end of the week. We've already doubled in size since the NFL started. Thank you all so much. I really appreciate the support. Seems like people are enjoying this content. I'm going to keep producing it. With that said, in the description, you can find a ton of stuff. Uh, if you're listening on the audio version, what's up? How's it going? Hopefully, if you get enjoyment and satisfaction from this podcast, you take a couple seconds, leave a five-star um, rate, and then you can also review the podcast. It helps me reach more people on the audio version. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Check the description down below. Some free strategy guide giveaways down there, as well as some other ways to find me in terms of my content on different social platforms and also my exclusive content on Patreon. We have about 230 patrons now, so shout out to all the patrons watching right now. Appreciate each and every one of you. Let's get into the video. Why not, right? So we had some news uh, to start, and I'll start on the quarterback page, but I'll talk about the news to start. We had news literally five minutes before I went live on this, and I just had to look up some pro football focus snaps after the fact, but we had some news on the fact that uh, it seems like Marcus Peters, a guy who has been an up-and-down corner in his career, and lately, the last year and a half or so, factoring in this year and last, more so down than up since he was a chief, um, and now being on three different teams in three years, maybe there's something to that, but he was just traded uh, to the Baltimore Ravens. So the Baltimore Ravens have been having trouble in the secondary, right? Tavon Young, their cor- slot cornerback, done for the entire season. In the, in the preseason, we, we found that news out really even before the preseason. Jimmy Smith has not been there. They put Jefferson on IR or safety. Their secondary has been beat up. Marlon Humphrey is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Number three, if I had to rate it in my opinion, is the only constant there. Uh, but now they trade for Marcus Peters, who this year has been an average to good cornerback, I would say at best, but definitely not a bad cornerback. Um, yeah, uh, Marcus Peters is going to be going over there. And now this leaves a huge void on the Rams, who are, have a 2,000, and I tweeted it, 2,011 passing yards, second in the league, 90 behind Patrick Mahomes, Matt Ryan, and this Atlanta offense uh, coming to town to take on a team in a secondary in the Rams that just put uh, Aqib Tlaib, who's been terrible this year, but put him on IR. Now they trade away Marcus Peters. You know what you have left? Well, you have Robbie Coleman, who's a slot cornerback. 
And then you have a bunch of players who really don't have that much experience. Um, you'll have Troy Hill. I think he's a cornerback there. He's, he's like a journeyman backup quarterback. A cornerback. And then you have nothing. You have guys that are like not playing and have not played a single snap in their career, undrafted free agents. So you lose your top two cornerbacks uh, in a matter of a week from a trade and an injury. And now you have nothing really to replace them uh, with, a, with a, a stout offense coming to town. Yeah, this is a very, very juicy matchup for an Atlanta Falcons offense. So that's just the breaking news at the front of this, right? That said, though, Let's get into the slate. Um, starting at the quarterbacks, we'll go position by position here. Again, hit the subscribe button. And if you are watching on YouTube, check out the podcast format. If you can just go over there, it'll be linked up down below. It takes a couple seconds. You'll be entered into a fantasy draft uh, giveaway for three people. We'll get three tickets. They'll be credited to your account on Sunday for their main event tournament, usually a $28 value. And also, if you're listening on the podcast, you do the same thing. Just make sure to leave your fantasy draft user in the rate uh, and review of that podcast. So, Lamar Jackson, I have interest. Look, Lamar Jackson, we saw what he did. He's done it twice, 120 rushing yards plus two games this year. Did 150 last game, had 100 by halftime. Uh, Lamar Jackson against Seattle, a team that's bottom 10 in pressure rates, which is interesting because they have Clowney out there, right? They have a pretty good uh, defensive front. You have linebackers, you have Bobby Wagner, you have KJ right there. They have a very good, uh, in my opinion, front seven in terms of talent, but just not getting a lot of pressure. If you're not going to pressure Lamar Jackson, and again, it's a five, six game sample for the Seahawks, but if you're not going to pressure him, like we saw the Bengals last week who ranked bottom five, the fifth worst in the league in pressure rate, He's going to do whatever he wants on the ground. And I imagine you continue to see that. Um, so Lamar Jackson here, I like the upside at 6,800. Uh, we'll see if Hollywood Brown comes back, but he doesn't really need it. Like if you want to play him naked, it's fine because he has that floor of 23 fantasy points. That's not a floor, but we saw 23 fantasy points last week and he has the floor on the ground of like six, seven points. It's just insane. Tyler Murray, I like for the same reasons. Look, the Giants, um, Baker, the rookie on the outside, has just been absolutely terrible. One of the worst in the league as a cornerback. In the slot, Grant Haley, shout out former Penn Stater, has been absolutely terrible. Janoris Jenkins has been bad. Like People think he's good because he has like a pick on Tom Brady this year, um, but he has been bad in terms of pro football focus on a per-snap basis, not just his one or two interception highlights that you see. Um, but Kyler Murray is going to have to face that secondary. Probably has Christian Kirk coming back. And similar to Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray is second in terms of rushing yards per game. Um, coming into last week, he had 41 per game. Lamar Jackson, 61 per game is definitely increasing. By the time I update this, it'll probably be like 80-something per game or close to 80. But Murray is facing a bottom seven um, pressure rate in the Giants. They're close to the bottom five, really. Uh, and if you're not going to pressure him, he has the rushing upside. He gets another weapon back in Christian Kirk. I do like that. What's not to like about Matt Ryan, right? Um, he's averaging over. He's averaging around 42 pass attempts per game. Uh, that's obviously fantastic. One of the higher ones on the slate, top two on the slate, actually. Now he faces this Ram secondary that we just said, put Talib on IR and just traded away Marcus Peters. Uh, and they have nothing in their secondary at all for Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Austin Hooper, Calvin Ridley, all these guys who are coming to town right now. Even Freeman out of the backfield has been picking it up over the last three games or so. There's nothing stopping second in the league, Matt Ryan, in terms of passing yards, only 90 behind Patrick Mahomes right now. Uh, against the secondary coming into this week and without this trade they were 25.25 favorites I imagine that gets bet up maybe it gets to 26 probably to 25 and a half potentially to 26 but in the best game environment of a 53.5 total I imagine that total probably goes up to 54 um, with the Marcus Peters is not going to move your line completely but the overreaction to the public at least for now might bump it up a little bit I do think Matt Ryan for like the third straight week is underpriced and, and as of Tuesday, seems like the best quarterback on the slate. Uh, Gardner Minshew at 5,400. Look, we, we talked about Minshew has rushing upside. He's averaging like 25 rushing yards per game, which is actually top four on the slate. Uh, it comes in as fourth. And we've seen Cincinnati struggle to stop and last week just get obliterated on the ground by Lamar Jackson, and they don't have a pass rush. They're bottom five. They're fifth worst in the league. Gardner Minshew comes to town. Not only does he have the rushing upside, but he does have weapons in good spots with D.D. Westbrook and now D.J. Shark, both having very favorable matchups. Their team total coming in a little bit above 23 at 23.25. I do like that spot at the price point for Minshew. 
Jared Goff. Jared Goff on the other side of this game. His team is actually a decent-sized favorite here, 28.25. And I imagine that his team is going to have to throw the ball to succeed. Atlanta's been decent on the ground. Uh, Gerald in the middle of that um, line has just been absolutely uh, fantastic um, in terms of just stopping everything up front and really just consuming running backs right now. Um, but this Atlanta team against the running backs on the ground has been solid. And I think Jared Goff's going to have to do it in the air anyways. We'll see if Todd Gurley's healthy. If Todd Gurley's out, even better. Malcolm Brown is very one-dimensional. Uh, is not the greatest of running backs. He's very average to, to below average at best. Um, Daryl Henderson Jr. Showed, so showed some spark, but you're going to have to see Jared Goff get it done in the receiving, uh, in the passing game. Uh, and if you have a coach like Sean McVay and you're throwing for under 100 yards, clearly the defense was good last week, but Goff was just so, so timid when he faced pressure. Now, when Goff doesn't face pressure, it's a little bit better. Right now, Atlanta ranks 17th in the league, so the bottom half of the league slightly in terms of how often they get to the quarterback. That should help Jared Goff compared to last week playing the 49ers who get there in top three in the league in terms of pressure rate. Um, Josh Allen, the concern here is that it's a really big spread. So in my notes, I actually say you can see a 221-1 type of game here. So it does concern me, the spread. But then looking back into it, look at the quarterbacks who have played Miami this year. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, week one, goes nuclear, only throws like 20-something times and has five touchdown passes. Um, you had Tom Brady having a, a floor week against Miami of 25 fantasy points. You had Dak Prescott getting, I believe, close to, if not 30 fantasy points. Phillip Rivers had a big day. It doesn't matter what the spread is. Even if your team wins by two touchdowns, there's a really good chance that they're getting it done through the receiving game and the passing game early on. And then later on, they'll just milk out the clock through the run. So Josh Allen, I actually think is fine here. He's a guy who I believe comes in third. It came in last week third. And he'll come in third on the slate with about 32 rushing yards per game and eight rushing attempts per game. A lot of those scrambled, not design runs like Lamar and Kyler Murray, uh, mainly Lamar, though, getting design runs. But it's still a nice spot. Daniel Jones is a question mark for me right now. I have to see. Look, Patrick Peterson's coming back. That affects some things, right? If Sterling Shepard is healthy and comes back, which I'll have to monitor. I thought he was going to be out an extended amount of time, but we'll see. They did sign Benny Fowler Jr., back to this team, which makes me believe that that Sterling Shepard is going to be out for a little while. So uh, we'll see what that happens. But whoever's on the outside is going to be locked up by Peterson. Uh, But Golden Tate, I imagine, still continues to play in the slot. Evan Ingram seems to be trending towards back. Saquon Barkley, I I would say, is going to be a true questionable call this week. Right now, he's limited in practice, but he practiced all of last week. We saw him sprinting. We saw him jumping. The issue with him is taking contact to his ankle and also being able to cut in a game with a lot of pressure on it. So for, for the Giants, the big thing for me and for Daniel Jones is it's obviously a great spot but it's who's healthy. If Evan Ingram, Golden State, and Saquon are in, yeah, really good spot for $6,100 Daniel Jones. Otherwise, just pay $200 more. Get Matt Ryan, right? That's where I'm at right now. Jacoby Brissett, 5600 coming off the bye against the Houston secondary. That isn't the greatest, right? I think T.Y. Hilton has a huge mismatch here. Um, Houston has been good against tight ends uh, for the most part, but I think there's a big mismatch on the outside for T.Y. Hilton. Jacoby Brissett, for the most part, has not been getting mobile, although he is averaging about 14.8 rushing uh, attempts per game. He is averaging close to 13 rushing yards per game, so there's somewhat of a floor. We know he has some mobility to get you about two fantasy points, cancel out a turnover or two on the ground. Uh, but Jacoby Brissett, somebody I want to look more into. It's a nice total here for Indy. I think the matchup is actually pretty solid, and I think he's somebody who probably goes under-owned, if not owned at all. Russell Wilson at 6,600. I had initial interest, but when the Seahawks are a favorite, it kind of worries me, right? They can rely on the run heavily. And now you have Marlon Humphreys, who's been shadowing. He followed Tyler Boyd on 16 of 23 Tyler Boyd snaps in the slot last week. Marlon Humphreys shadowed him. So that's very scary for Tyler Lockett, who's in the slot a lot. I think Marlon Humphreys will still move in there and shadow him. And now Marcus Peters was just acquired, and I imagine he does play by the weekend. And if he's playing, he'll probably be on DK Metcalf. To, uh, Russell Wilson just lost Will Disley for the season. Uh, Luke Wilson will probably fill in for him, but it's just a, a gross spot in my opinion. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has a very good matchup against Washington, but this just reeks of a game where they're three-headed monster backfield. That's quickly becoming a two-headed monster, but I think three running backs here see like eight-plus carries. And Jimmy G, for the most part, hasn't been asked to throw the ball that much. I'm curious to see how this team responds if they come in from trailing. Deshaun Watson against his zone defense. 
in indie at that price point right now it's it's, it's not something that i want to go to and obviously indie also plays man but primarily and majority of the time they'll play a zone and they've caused a lot of teams trouble they'll kind of make you filter the ball to your running backs to your tight ends to your slot receivers obviously the big players on the outside are fuller and hopkins um for houston but we'll see how they respond there i just don't like it it's an it's a defense that's purposely wants you to be limited we saw them do that although they converted to man a little bit but we saw them to do that uh, pretty effectively against teams this year including the chiefs running backs if you're used to watching my videos and if you're not what's going on welcome to the channel how you doing uh, but if you're used to watching welcome to the podcast as well audio people how you doing what your ears doing uh, but if you're used to watching my videos you usually know that at this point in the week even on a tuesday i only got interest in like 12 running backs um, maybe 10 uh, right now there's 16 and a lot of them are obviously question marks i want to see what injuries look like i want to look into players more and that's what we do before our final thoughts video on friday Dalvin Cook's in a good spot. Saquon's in a good spot. These guys are highly priced. I think they're both fine. If Saquon is healthy against Arizona, 8,900 is not scaring me off in the what should be one of the fastest, if not the fastest paced game on the slate. For a Giants team that is favored and has a 26.25 team implied total, uh, it leads me to believe that Saquon Barkley is going to be back for this game if they're favorited and had that big of a total, right? Um, so I do like Saquon at 8,900. The price point does not concern me. Um, these running backs are wide receiver ones and running back ones. So they should be all $10,000 to be honest with you. DraftKings is very slow to reflect their price points. The fact that they're all or they have been in like the mid 8K range has been just a gift to everybody in my opinion. Dalvin Cook against Detroit. We'll see what Mike Daniels' status is for Detroit. He missed Monday Night Football against the Packers. He's one of the two big run stoppers with Damian Snacks Harrison in the middle of that Detroit um, defensive line. If he's back, it hurts Dalvin Cook a little bit, but not enough to get me off of him. Uh, Dalvin Cook has now had three out of four tough matchups if Mike Daniels comes back, right, Uh, with some strong defensive lines. I think Detroit has a strong defensive line. Obviously, the Bears and the Eagles have strong defensive lines, so really brutal spot in the schedule for over the past month for Dalvin Cook. $8,000, though, it seems justifiable, especially when you consider he has a pass-catching role. David Johnson came out, played 70% of the snaps, had his best game of the year, got active in the receiving game, very active. It seemed like his injury was nothing uh, to worry about. Now he gets the Giants uh, in a pace-up spot. I like the spot for David Johnson here at 7,800. There's not much not to like, right? Chase Edmonds will be there. He'll be lurking for 25, 30% of the snaps. Um, But if Johnson's going to be used in the receiving game, and there's merit to Christian Kirk comes back, maybe Johnson's not as involved in the receiving game or not needed to be as involved in the receiving game. They go more for, for wide receiver sets. But in my opinion, I don't think it impacts it that much. Um, I think he's still going to have a very high usage rate in terms of his just overall touches and, and opportunities. Leonard Fournette's in the ultimate smash spot. Leonard Fournette, if he comes in 30% owned as the most chalky player on the slate, I'd probably want double, if not close to triple. Uh, Leonard Fournette is $7,000, still too cheap for a guy who's averaging over 25 opportunities per game and 25 touches per game at this point. He is leading the league in routes run 10 more than Christian McCaffrey, 10 more than the MVP right now that people are trying to say that Christian McCaffrey is the MVP. Um, I think he's like top four, in my opinion. Uh, He's not ahead of Russell Wilson. He's not ahead of Deshaun Watson, maybe arguably Patrick Mahomes. Um, But running backs obviously get weighted down because of um, them just not being the main reason why their team wins. Although McCaffrey, though, so far has been. We'll see if it holds up. But Fournette running 185 routes this year, McCaffrey 175. Fournette seeing over seven fantasy points per game on average in the receiving game, caught all six of his targets in the last game. He's just been absolutely dominant, right? He posted over 10 fantasy points in the receiving game alone last week. He still only has one touchdown this year. If you're going to be averaging 25 touches per game, you're going to score by the end of the year and you stay healthy. You're going to score five plus touchdowns at a bare minimum, like more times than not around eight. So what does that mean for Leonard Fournette if you just look at historical data? Well, that means for Leonard Fournette that he's going to be coming very, very quickly up in terms of his touchdown count. One through six games. Yeah, uh, I would not be surprised if you see a multi-touchdown game, if not this game, but very soon for him. Regression is coming. You don't get that many opportunities and also have a decent amount of just red zone touches 
in general, coming into last week, he had 13 red zone touches. He's now over 15 red zone carries. You don't get that many carries in the red zone and just not break free or at least get more goal line opportunities. Um, regression is coming his way. He's way too cheap. Against the Cincinnati Bengals defense that is giving up the most fantasy points to the running back position. They're giving up the fourth most receptions to the running back position. They're giving up the second most rushing yards. Like, come on, this is an obvious smash spot against the worst run defense in the league right there with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Leonard Fournette, way too cheap. Chris Carson, 6,500 against Baltimore, who when Baltimore has been healthy, when they've had Williams in there, the game that they didn't is when the Browns went 12 personnel and Nick Chubb had the three touchdown game, the huge 80 yard run, um, just went nuclear without Williams in there. Uh, so now they're going to have, hopefully we'll see how the, the defense works this week, but it should be a tough spot for Chris Carson or tougher than expected, but he's still too cheap at 6,500. Chris Carson is now averaging over 19, uh, closer to 20 rushing attempts per game. He came into last week at 18.8, and then he goes for over 20 rushing attempts on the ground last week. He continues to catch the ball. I believe he had four receptions last week. And if he's going to play it like he did last week, Penny was out, but he played 80% of the snaps. Now that's 82% of the snaps over the last two weeks. It's just great. It's a good spot for a guy who's 6,500. He has opportunity in the receiving game, obviously. And these stats right here are not updated. I'll update them tomorrow for the Patreon users. These are from, they have not been updated for week six yet. Most of those stats don't come out till Wednesday. Um, but he has a good game total here. Uh, a nice team implied total of 27. I like the spot. Joe Mixon's too cheap at 5,000. Look, uh, Jacksonville's run defense has been bottom three in the league right now. Not only that, though, but this is a decent game. Like, yes, a 20.25 team implied total is not great, but it should be a spot where he's not getting buried, right? Last week, he only has like eight carries because they're getting blown out. But for the most part, in the two weeks prior to that, we had beneficial matchups. You saw him against the Steelers in three quarters, pretty much having close to 20 touches. You saw him the week after that go over for 100 total yards for the first time on 19 carries or 19 total touches. He's going to get work. And at $5,000 for a guy who's using the receiving game or about three and a half targets per game, who even though he did not, he was pulled in the third, fourth quarter against the Steelers because it was a blowout. He did not have a full run week one and week two. He's still averaging about 16 opportunities per game. 16 opportunities, around 15 opportunities per game for a guy who got pulled in one quarter so far this season and again was limited in weeks one and week two because of an injury. Yes, $5,000 is too cheap for Joe Mixon. We'll continue to monitor it throughout the week, see if there's anything that catches our eye. And then there's a lot of question marks. You can look at all of them. Uh, Melvin Gordon has a tough matchup against Tennessee. He's a road dog in a difficult matchup, but he's probably too cheap at 5,900. Saw 60% of the snaps last week in a game where his team trailed for the far majority of that game. Wasn't able to kind of get loose at all. Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida, both the running backs here. I expect these guys to both see 12 to 15 plus touches each on the ground. I expect it to be very run heavy against Washington's very bad run defense in a game where they're nine and a half point, very close to double digit favorites against Washington, the San Francisco team. Derrick Henry, this is the spot that you target him. He's a home favorite here. Derrick Henry's on pace for over 300 total carries. Derrick Henry is a guy who's going to just be a bruiser on the ground and in a neutral. Last week, they were down the whole game, 16, nothing they lost. But in a neutral to positive game script for Henry, as this one by Vegas lines up to be, and Denver's defense, in my opinion, is a very good run defense. Um, you can look at the stats. Leonard Fournette's one game when they had two of their bigger defensive linemen um, injured, and uh, that's the game that he goes off. Everybody else has been held below uh, 3.7 yards per carry per game. Um, so this spot for Derrick Henry against the Chargers, who have been eaten up. They have been getting eaten up on the ground. The Steelers, to an extent, last week, especially the pass-catching uh, options with Benny Snell Jr. even running on them, James Conner. Marlon Mack had a huge game against the Chargers earlier in the year. They're still batting injuries. Ingram is beaten up. Lots of guys in their secondary on this defense. So uh, Derrick Henry, I would expect somewhere around 20 touches for him. Again, though, the concern is that his upside for you in the receiving game is like two fantasy points or one and a half fantasy points, a catch for like five yards. Whereas guys like Leonard Fournette's upside is on average seven fantasy points with the upside of like 12 plus, right? So 
That is the concern with Derrick Henry, but it is a favorable spot for him. Devonta Freeman's probably too cheap at 5,400. It's just a matter of like last week, yes, he had 19 carries for 88 yards, a decent game on the ground. I wouldn't call it great. I wouldn't call it bad. Um, But in the receiving game, he had three catches, but two of them end up being touchdowns. So the price point comes down. I think it's probably, eh, it's around where it should be in my opinion has not been dynamite on the ground, had his best game last game. But again, you catch two touchdowns on your three targets. Maybe it's a little bit fluky, right? Um, so we'll see. Uh, on Johnson's probably too cheap at 5,100, although he only gets 13 carries in a game where his team is leading uh, by 13 nothing, right? In a game where his team is leading against a bad rush defense and Patricia doesn't give him the ball. So they just have donkeys coaching in Detroit right now. I'm not sure what's up there. Josh Jacobs is in a very good spot coming off the bye. It's just a matter of his team's an underdog. Maybe they actually incorporate him into the passing game now. That's something they teased and were talking about doing before the buy. So maybe they had this week to implement that. But a good matchup against Green Bay. Look, if they're seven-point underdogs, that's not good. That's not a good run script for a, a an underdog coming in that isn't and has not shown a, 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 a history of being used in the receiving game in his short NFL career. But I do think he's cheap enough. It's going to be an interesting spot um, with saying things like, look, Joe Mixon and... Uh, Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs are the same price. I think I prefer Mixon there. The matchup is a little bit better, and he's also using the receiving game, and it's not as big of a spread, but we'll see as the week goes on. Daryl Henderson Jr., a guy to keep an eye on. If Todd Gurley does not play, Henderson Jr. played around 30% of the snaps, looked way better, way more explosive, was running violently like vintage Marshawn Lynch. Look, linked, looked just absolutely dominant out there on his very limited touches, much better than Malcolm Brown. So if Todd Gurley's out, $3,500 Daryl Henderson Jr. against an Atlanta team that finally faced the pass-catching running back last week. They only allowed uh, the third fewest receptions to running backs on the season, something you you don't usually see out of um, Atlanta, but they haven't faced McCaffrey yet. They face him twice a year. They haven't faced Kamara yet. They face him twice a year. And they haven't faced any pass-catching running backs. They were facing the Marlon Max, the Carlos Hydes, uh, the Derrick Henrys of the world. That's why they weren't giving up receptions. They got David Johnson. He had 80 yards in the air on six catches. So that's running back for now. Wide receiver, it's usually a long laundry list. Honestly, it's only 20 names right now. I'm not going to go through all of it. Obviously, Julio, if you want to pay ups in a smash spot now that Marcus Peters was traded, and also no to leave there. The secondary is just brutal for the Rams. Uh, they're going to be putting out there a, a journeyman backup, and then a guy who has never played a snap, and another guy who's played like a handful of snaps in his NFL career, like 10. Uh, that's Robbie Coleman's the best cornerback they have, but he'll primarily stay in the slot and guard Mohamed Sanu. Cooper Cup, good spot. I mean, he's 7,400. He's too cheap. Cooper Cup's price point comes down. It, look, him busting last week had nothing to do with him. It was all his quarterback. It was all Josh uh, or Jerry Goff. Um, I like Cooper Cup, a guy who people are going to have short-term memory. He was averaging almost 13, 12, 12.6 targets per game coming into last week. He has a very favorable matchup against his pass funnel defense of Atlanta. Larry Fitzgerald, I like. I do like Kirk more, his teammate who is due back this week, in my opinion, $1,100 cheaper, but a really good matchup against the Giants. They'll both be running out of the slot. One of them will face Grant Haley, who's been putrid. Um, I doubt they go on the outside, especially Fitzgerald won't go on the outside all that much, but if Kirk does, he'll probably get some Baker, which is just a good matchup. Even if he gets Janoris Jenkins, still a very good matchup. DJ Shark against Cincy, $6,000 is too cheap. Uh, there's not much more to say about that. He got shut down last week by Marshawn Lattimore. Maybe that'll lower some of the chalk that was coming in on Shark last week. I think he got close to like 12% ownership, which is fine. It's not chalk. People are saying it was chalk. O- average ownership is 15%. So 12% is not bad at all. T.Y. Hilton, I really like this spot. 5,900 against a Houston secondary that Jonathan Joseph missed last week. will monitor his status. Their two safeties have been playing beat up all year long. So this isn't an injured and hobbled Houston secondary that hasn't been good even when healthy. So T.Y. Hilton coming off the bye week um, that has just been absolutely dominant in terms of when he plays at home. So 24.4 team implied total. I like the spot for Hilton. Robert Woods and, and Brandon Cooks, they're both too cheap. Cooks is only 5,400. He, he played normal snaps last week coming off the concussion. Robert Woods at 5,900. 
I really like all these Rams wide receivers. It's crazy that the price difference is two thousand between Cup and Wood or Cup and Cooks now. Um, if I had to rank it in terms of a GPP, I would probably go Cooks, Cup, and then Woods. Honestly, and, and that and we're talking cash, then it would be Cup, Woods, and Cooks. But for two thousand dollars savings on Brandon Cooks, and let me actually check the target offense sheet here. Um, this game's in Atlanta. So that's a little bit of a concern. The game's in Atlanta. Cooks has very, very significant and severe home road splits. He scores all of his touchdowns pretty much at home in his career, whether it's New England, whether it's been New Orleans, or now whether it's been the, with the Rams. So um, I think those are my interests, but that's not to say I don't like Cup, right? It's like a 1A, 1B with Cooks and Cup, just because Cooks will be probably lower owned and he'll also be um, $2,000 cheaper for an upside player for a GPP. Who's next? Uh, Christian Kirk, I like a 5,100 too cheap. D.D. Westbrook, people have been calling him my boy now because, yeah, I like the guy every single week because I think he's a talented receiver. He's obviously having a down year, although the last three games being targeted very heavily. Uh, the two games before last was, was playing very well. Just his whole team couldn't take advantage of good matchups last week. Um, that was a terrible game between the Saints and the um, Jacksonville Jaguars. He had like all three of his catches for 53 yards, I believe, in the third quarter. 4,900 is too cheap against Cincy, though. Mike Williams is interesting. Like, the matchup against Tennessee, these guys just funnel. Like, the best matchup or the best cornerback is Logan Ryan in the slot. So that's really going to be hurting um, Keenan Allen when he moves into the slot a good amount of the time. Uh, and then, but Mike Williams is a guy who at 4,600 is too cheap, getting a ton of air yards, dropped the touchdown pass, or was, uh, yeah, I believe he dropped the big touchdown pass, or it would have at least been like a 40 yard reception, put him over 100 yards last week against the Steelers. But, it's a tough matchup against a team where Mike Williams' upside comes from deep passes, air yards down the field. And this team in Tennessee, they play very much like Indy in Buffalo, teams like that, that they'll put blanket coverage on you and they won't let you get over top of them. So he's a question mark right now for me. The only reason I have some interest is because of the price. Uh, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, these guys are in interesting spots. If anything, I think Slay would be guarding Diggs because Adam Thielen moves into the slot a lot. Coleman is the uh, is the Lions' best cornerback. Um, so I think you get him thrown on Busy Johnson, who's the primary slot receiver, wide receiver three uh, for Minnesota. But Adam Thielen will move into the slot a little bit. He'll be utilized and be able to avoid a slay, in my opinion. If anything, if there was a shadow here, I think it would go on Diggs. Keenan Allen's too cheap. But again, he'll face Logan Ryan, who's a very good cornerback. But now with the fact that you have Gordon back, you have Hunter Henry back, the ceiling for Keenan Allen is not as high. But the pressure of teams just the last two to three weeks just trying to scheme him out of the game, right? It's really hard to scheme a pass catching running back like Eckler catching 15 balls the week before this last one. But it's easier to scheme out a slot wide receiver if indeed you put a ton of um, attention on him, right? Um, whatever it might be, you run a hitch, whatever it might be on it. So with Keenan Allen, now these guys coming back, yes, he's going to have less pressure on him with Hunter Henry coming back and looking dominant on the inside of that field. Mike Williams seems healthier now on the outside. Melvin Gordon in the backfield, of course, the threat of Austin Eckler. But you're not going to get the 17 target Keenan Allen games anymore when he was the whole team with Eckler. Like a good week now for Keenan Allen. And he's priced like it, but what? eight to nine targets and that's still a good week at that price point so i do have some interest kenny galladay against minnesota xavier uh rhodes i don't think he's good i don't think he's good anymore he's washed up so there's really nobody that scares me to guard kenny galladay the guy just looked absolutely dominant five catches a buck 20 against the packers tackled on a really long run could have probably had a touchdown but he did not show as much acceleration uh but really just more so for the packers defensive backs to get there and stop him before getting in the end zone um tyler boyd against jacksonville Look, Tyler Boyd, you don't see Jalen Ramsey going to the slot. Tyler Boyd's matchup in the slot's not going to be the best, but it's definitely going to be better than having to face AJ Boye and or Jalen Ramsey. John Brown against Miami. We'll see if Xavier Howard plays this week. I imagine you see Xavier Howard on John Brown. 
Um, but we'll monitor that one. Either way, though, Howard has not been having the best of seasons, but don't let people fool you. Like, Xavier Howard, in a very small sample, because there was a bye, because he didn't play last week, he has given up like 80% of his production this year to one game in Amari Cooper. Both touchdowns, most of the yards. So otherwise, he he held Keenan Allen down. He's held his own. So don't let people tell you, oh, Xavier Howard's been terrible this year. It's one game samples. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore has looked terrible after week one against DeAndre Hopkins. You know what he's done since then? He's been one of the best cornerbacks in the league, Marshawn Lattimore, since then. He's just very skewed from his week one performance. But the more games you play, the easier it gets to kind of make your sample look more accurate. I'm actually going to take Mohamed Sanu out of here because I think Robbie Coleman's actually the best cornerback, although he's not fantastic, but the best cornerback that the the Rams have. We'll come back to that though later in the week. Um, Calvin Ridley seems okay, especially now with these injuries or in really the trade of Marcus Peters in the secondary. AJ Brown, I do think is interesting. We'll see who who gets Casey Hayward. I think that you would have Corey Davis getting Casey Hayward, which allows AJ Brown to be on the outside against an undrafted um, free agent and face on for the Chargers. A good matchup for Brown, who see, has seen his snaps coming up the last two weeks. Uh, and then Alan Lazard, $3,000 for the Packers. I'm not just trying to chase points. I'm not trying to be a homer as a Packers fan. Alan Lazard ran 11 routes in that fourth quarter. He saw five targets. He caught four balls and obviously the beautiful touchdown pass and catch. With Rodgers, he ran four of his 11 routes out of the slot. If Geronimo Allison is out, he has a concussion and a chest injury as of now on Tuesday. If he doesn't play, and then I don't think Adams is going to play. Devontae Adams has not stepped on the field for practice yet. And he was last quoted on saying that he's just trying to get comfortable putting his shoes on. So Devontae Adams is, I think, a far ways away from playing, at least a week or two. But we'll see as the week goes on. Maybe there's been some progress with this turf toe. But if he's out and Geronimo Allison's out, it leaves MVS a deep burner on the outside. Jake Kumaru, the guy who has done nothing in this league and, in my opinion, is a very bad wide receiver who only beats third-string cornerbacks in the preseason. And then it's Darius Shepard who had a ball hit off his face and then get picked off, I believe. And he's looked really bad. Like he's the same size as me. I think he's like 5'10", 5'11", whatever it is. And just a slot receiver for sure. But they're putting him on the outside. It's not working out. Uh, the, the pecking order, in my opinion, if indeed Allison and Adams are out, will be MVS and then Lazard. Lazard, a 6'5", wide receiver who Rodgers has talked up in the preseason. He was one of the last guys on this team. I've been hyping for him all season. He should be ahead of Shepard. And it seems like now after his performance and really winning that game or at least keeping them in it, on Monday Night Football should have some options. So I don't think it's point chasing. I don't. He'll run 30 plus routes, in my opinion, if indeed Geronimo Allison and Adams are out. And even maybe if just Adams is out. So let's move on to the next page. Tight ends. Uh, George Kittle in a good spot against Washington. They're big favorites, but it's not like they're not going to throw the ball at least 25 times. So if that's the case, Kittle has been seeing a 30% share of uh, the target. So even if you only see on average 25 pass attempts here from um, Jimmy G. On average, you're going to see still seven to eight targets for Kittle. I do like that. And that's if he only passes that little. They are big favorites, so I would say he probably p- play, passes around 30 times, so around eight to nine targets for Kittle. Evan Ingram, if he plays, he's a smash play, 6,500. It's just a matter of do you want to spend your money on tight end or do you want to get up to the next wide receiver tier and then pay down for some of these $4,000 tight ends? I do think Evan Ingram is a clear smash play against Arizona, giving up 24.8 fantasy points per game coming into last week against the tight end. And then we saw it was Austin Hooper have another 100-yard touchdown game against them. Speaking of Hooper, he's way too cheap. Austin Hooper continues to see close to double-digit targets as a tight end. Uh, he's top three in the league in targets for tight ends right now. He's just been absolutely nuclear so far. Now he gets this Rams secondary in a very favorable spot. I like it. Darren Waller's too cheap. 4,700. The Packers have not faced many good cornerbacks, so it's really hard to judge what the Packers have or, or many good tight ends. It's hard to judge what the, the Packers are against tight ends. It's hard to judge for many teams. Zach Ertz, they double-teamed when they did not have Deshaun Jackson on a Thursday night game and an injured and a limited Alshon Jeffrey. And Zach Ertz still had a decent game, especially battling double-teams. So, 
Darren Waller coming off the bye. People are going to forget that this guy's averaging over eight targets per game, that he's just been absolutely nuclear in this offense, that he's averaging close to 24 air yards um, uh, or 24% of his team's air yards right now. The problem is he doesn't have any red zone targets, just three, but you could be damn sure that they're probably working on that. They're running more two tight end sets with Foster uh, Moreno or Monroe, whatever his name is, with Darren Waller. Darren Waller is just not going to come off the field. Waller so far this season is playing 90% of the snaps. I do like that a good amount. He's too cheap. Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry at 4,000, 100 yards and two touchdown game. Uh, $4,000 is way too cheap for a team that, again, in Tennessee, similar to uh, the Colts, similar to the, the Bills, they're going to funnel you to the running back, uh, and then they're going to funnel you to your tight end and slot receivers. Hunter Henry um, is not going to have to face Logan Ryan like Keenan Allen will. So I think the matchup is very good for Hunter Henry. At 4,000, the price is very good. Mark Andrews at 4,900, it's good. Uh, it's in a weird price range where I think I'd rather get to Darren Waller, but Mark Andrews has been nonstop dominant. He is the the main weapon. And for some reason, Mark Andrews is still only playing sub 50% of the snaps. Uh, coming into last week, Mark Andrews on the season was only playing 49% of the snaps. He played 48% of the snaps last week. Um, but for some reason, he's always wide open. I don't know if he's just very good at getting separation or just gets lost in the defense because he's only on the field for so few snaps and they don't remember that he's on the team. But he was wide open on every single accelerated film I was looking at. Uh, Rhett, Rhett Ellison at 3,400 is on here as a maybe. He's only in play if indeed Evan Ingram misses again because then he'll have a very good matchup. Luke Wilson. So Will Disley was playing like 23 or running like 23 routes per week. Very utilized in the red zone was getting schemed for. Then he um, ruptures his Achilles, I believe. Now Luke Wilson, a guy who was also getting schemed in this offense for. They would use him out wide. They would use him in the slot on very limited amounts of snaps, right? He would run like 10 routes a game or so, if that eight routes a game. But now I imagine Luke Wilson takes on the Will Disley role. Uh, he ran 18 routes once Disley was hurt in the second quarter last week. Disley ran about eight. So Luke Wilson, if I had to imagine moving forward, will run somewhere around like 22 to 24 routes. And if he's used similar in the red zone, like Will Disley has been at some upside that you get at $3,000. So this is the Tuesday look, right? We still got the final thoughts later in the week on Thursday or Friday. We'll still have the Thursday night football video. It's already up. Go check it out. Listen to the podcast, whatever you have to do, download the podcast at the subscribe button, of course. Um, but this is it for right now. So thank you for tuning in. My name's Sal Vetri. You can follow me on Twitter at Sal Vetri DFS. You can look at my Instagram at Sal Vetri, Facebook, Sal Vetri. We have a Facebook page. Check out the podcast. If you're not listening right now on the podcast, if you are, if you can subscribe, five-star review, it takes a couple seconds. It really helps me reach more people. So I do appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube, or if you're listening, if you if you do leave a review and you leave your fantasy draft handle uh, in the name of it, you will be entered into a raffle for three people who will be given a free fantasy draft ticket of a value of $28 for their main event. Uh, check out my description. There's free stuff in there. There's all my socials. There's the podcast link. And there's also my Patreon link where I have exclusive content, put about 25 hours of work or so per week into that. Uh, these spreadsheets are like the, the, the surface of what is offered on Patreon. There's a lot over there. So um, thank you. I appreciate you tuning in. My name is Sal. You already know that. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.